Labor Day weekend has been Compassion Sunday here at Velocity, and our family supports a child in Haiti as well, actually, Baders, so that's pretty cool. Her name is Malove, and, um, and it's $38 a month is how much it is to sponsor a child. And, and so the, the reason that we bring this up is not because we're saying, hey, you need to go do this, and this is how you need to show compassion in the world, but simply to bring awareness and share the opportunity. And so we're talking, you know, we're letting you know, hey, Compassion International exists. Maybe you didn't know that. And so there's a table out in the lobby, and you can check out and, and see what kids are there. But you actually can go online as well. There's a link that we're going to put up on the screen and leave up there for a couple minutes if you want to copy it down or take a picture of it or whatever you want to do. If you want to go through and you can check, I mean, they, they let you pick what what country, you know, that you want to support a child in or all all kinds of age, you know, all all those kinds of things. And so you provide medical assistance, education, food, all kinds of amazing things through that child's uh, growing up and into adulthood. Um, And they also receive mentoring. So this is not just a, hey, here are some physical needs, but here are also some uh, spiritual needs that are provided for working through local churches and uh, compassion centers. And so it's a great opportunity, great way, especially if you have kids, you know, your family, just to kind of talk about this. You can get letters and they get translated for you and you can send them back and send gifts, all that kind of stuff. So it's just a great opportunity to show compassion. There's so many broad areas that we have opportunities with, and not just here, things that are here at Velocity, but just all, all kinds of things that are around the world. But, you know, we support things like uh, Fresh Start for single mothers and their children. We support Reef Granada in Nicaragua. We support Reestablish Richmond. We support our local elementary schools. Like, there's so many different ways in which, as a church, we come through, we have opportunities. We've uh, been doing meals for Moms of Hope, which is a homeless uh, ministry. And so it's just so many, so many different areas and opportunities that we have to jump into and share compassion with other people in and around our community and in the world. It it connects us with what God's sense of justice looks like in serving and loving our neighbor personally, and, and it gives us perspective in our lives, not just in how we contrast with other people in situations like, oh man, I can't believe they're in that scenario and I would hate to be them, but it also helps us uh, to find, find some maybe common ground in recognizing our shared humanity and what it would like to be in that situation. And maybe there's some things that we have in common that we uh, don't really realize or maybe even care to admit. When it comes to compassion, I love this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that he wrote uh, from prison. He says this, We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. And when we give compassion, it's not to the exclusion of what has brought somebody in a position to need compassion for to begin with. Like, it's not necessarily that we ignore the situation that we're in or the problems that have created it, or maybe their own mistakes and sin, you know, maybe that have put them in that scenario and situation. Uh, but it is about not withholding our compassion to someone based on our standards versus what God's standard of compassion is throughout Scripture. After all, we're all here as saved. Those of us who are Christians following Jesus, we're saved people here by the grace of God's infinite compassion for humanity through the shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 116, verses 5 and 6, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Confession is a defining characteristic of who God is. May it be so of us as well. And one constant state of being for humans that need compassion in which God instructs his people to show compassion to is, is that of the foreigner. 
Now, I don't know how many of you have spent much time as a foreigner in your life, how much international travel that you've done. Some, some of you I know like travel all the time or you have family connections or those kinds of things. Some of us maybe, I, I don't know, maybe you've never been outside of Virginia and just, you know, you've seen some other countries on TV before on a PBS documentary, something, something like that. But it, it is a wholly different experience. Most of my international travel has been missions work. And so I've spent a couple, you know, three week long trips outside of the country. I've spent a two month long trip. That's my longest you know, period of time spending and living outside the country. And let me tell you, like there are a lot of things that can make you stick out and make it seem pretty uncomfortable to be a foreigner. And I had great experiences where I was, but there's just some moments I'll never forget. And I may have shared this before, but we had, we were in Ghana um, in West Africa, loved our time. There's so many amazing people in, in that country, but there was this one cab driver that when he saw us, he saw, oh man, these, these guys are Americans and they must have money. And so, man, when we got dropped off at our destination, he was try- we had, a, had our friend and translator with us and he tried to charge us like double what it costs to drive us. And soon, I, what's really funny is we had like most of the neighbor had c- come to our defense. I mean, they were yelling at this dude and finally like, man, something, something bad's gonna happen. We'll just, we'll just give him the money. Like, let, let's just be done with this because we're gonna be in a situation we don't, we don't wanna be in. But the language barrier, the culture, the food, the social interaction, um, you know, that, that, that is all... Um, you know, the culture shock is a real thing. Those are all things that you experience. And if you haven't ever been in that situation, I want you to try to put yourself in those shoes. And then on top of that, consider what it might be like to be a refugee. It's not that you're just uncomfortable on a mission trip, or maybe you've been, you know, traveled on vacation, on vacation outside of the country, and, and maybe you've been un- uncomfortable a couple times, but that your life is also at stake. And with the current state of affairs in the world and just kind of what's happening in our backyard, I thought it would be a good time to take a look at what a biblical worldview looks like when it comes to how we think about the foreigner who lives among us, uh, the circumstances of those who do not live in our country but end up here or seeking to come here. It's very timely because we have, as Adria mentioned, uh, we have 8,000 refugees from Afghanistan that just moved into Fort Lee, not just a, a, a little while a little while ago, and we have a great opportunity to serve and to help them. On velocitychurch.info, there's another link. We're going to put that up there. Adria already mentioned that. We've got an Amazon wish list that's up there where you can right now on your phone, you, like you can do this now if, if you want to. You can go check that out, do that with your kids, with your family, share that with your friends, but just a real practical way for you to immediately help people who are in a very tough and desperate situation. Coming out of that and then experiencing a whole new one and set of emotions and feelings and dealing with all of that as they, uh, as they are here now in, in our country. And so we want you to, we want to encourage you to check out that. Uh, there is a particular place that it should be shipped to, but most of the time with a wish list, that would all be done automatic. But there's also another organization there that we partnered with and worked with um, here at Velocity. It's called Reestablish Richmond. And they are a nonprofit that works, I, I mean, not just when, you know, we have an influx of refugees, but they work all the time throughout the year with uh, people who are resettling for all kinds of different reasons from other countries here, uh, right here in our community. And so I want you to check out, read up more about them if you're not familiar with them. They're in a campaign right now where they're working with people who have already been resettled here, trying to help their family members get evacuated, um, all kinds of different things. And so make sure you check out that information there um, at velocitychurch.info. 
Uh, so these are really practical ways in which we can contribute and help that are kind of no-brainers. But again, I, I want us to talk about what a biblical worldview looks like when we talk about the foreigner among us, refugees among us. And let me cl- clarify who we're talking about when we say foreigners who live among us, since sometimes our politics get in the way of our practical application of our faith. We're not talking about what laws should be in place or not. We not should be, we're not talking about um, immigration reform or how policy should be developed, although that's always a good conversation to have. Those are always, always things that we should care about and talk about as Christ followers. Uh, but we're talking about um, how our faith should inform how we respond to this reality. National laws are not instructive for how we live out our faith. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, it can certainly impact this, but what, what the government says or not, like, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's at the forefront of who I am and what I do. So when we think people of people in these situations, we're not talking about them from terms of here's how the government should be involved. We're talking about it in, from the standpoint of here's how followers of Jesus should be involved. And I just, I just want to uh, clarify that, how we are involved in a state of readiness to help those who are among us. So who we're talking about? We're talking about displaced persons, those who have been forced to leave their homes uh, for all kinds of different reasons, conflict, war, natural disaster. They live sometimes in a temporary community, in their, even within their own country, and you can feel foreign sometimes. I mean, just travel further north or further south, and uh, you know uh, there can be some interesting places in the United States, right? And usually return home when things improve. Refugees, which is very timely for us. People have been forced to leave their nation due to violent conflict or war. Um, and, and most of the time, people want to go back. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not in terms of, oh man, I'm so, you know, no, I, I hate that this is the state of things there and, and we want to be home. Uh, we just can't be. And sometimes that used to, leads to years of displacement. Migrants, those who have chosen to leave their home country mainly to escape uh, poverty and looking for a p- permanent move and a permanent change. Immigrants, which is very similar, um, but someone who can move to a different country for all kinds, I mean, sometimes it's marriage, sometimes it's all kinds of different, different ways, um, and you can, you can make a distinguish, you know, <laughs> politically speaking, we like to make a uh, distinguish between those who are here legally and illegally, and that's a, that's a whole other thing. I mean, laws should be followed, all, all that kind of stuff. I totally understand that. When it comes to a biblical perspective of how we treat people, there, there isn't that type of distinction in, in Scripture, just to kind of throw, throw that out. Borders and all that kind of stuff is, is handled a little bit, little bit differently when we talk about um, how God views, views humanity. Um, asylum seekers, individuals who ask to live in another country to escape uh, religious persecution, uh, political persecution, stateless persons, this can happen if a country stops existing, or if a country, and this happens as well, stops recognizing the legitimacy of citizenship of certain types and groups of people, based on their beliefs or, um, uh, you know, their ethnicity, um, and people who are visiting. People who are here for education, visiting family for a temporary uh, amount of time. How we treat the foreigner who lives among us. And so uh, we're talking about when, when Scripture talks about the foreigner, when God talks about the foreigner, we're talking about all those types of people. I mean, in particular, you know, you can think about the refugees that are here uh, from Afghanistan that have found themselves displaced in an unimaginable way. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, just trying to put yourself in their shoes uh, would be incredibly difficult. But how we treat the foreigner who lives among us has been a part of God's instruction for his people from the very, from the very beginning. And there's an incredibly significant reason for this. Uh, that's a part of the history of the nation of Israel uh, for why he says this. And so let's, let's take a look at how we view the refugee, starting off in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 14 through 19. 
To Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And so there's some pretty key things that God says there to his people, the Israelites, about how they are to interact and think about and the perspective that they should have of the foreigner who lives among them. God loves them. God provides for their needs and calls his people to do the same, to love those who are foreigners because they should know exactly what, it's, what, it, what it feels like. So when God is talking about them having come out of Egypt, some of you already know this, that, that the nation of Israel spent 400 years in oppression and slavery in Egypt before they were called out and given this law in Deuteronomy and Moses led them. You know, maybe you've seen the movie uh, before, and, and so you know, you know, you know, what, you know what happened. And, and sure, I'm sure at some point, you know, as, as Israel progressed throughout history, well, they, not at some point, I mean, they absolutely did forget where they come from and what God had done for them, and it constantly gave, you know, got them in trouble. But God is calling them not just to, you know, a particular action, but also to a particular perspective based on what they've experienced and how that should influence how they treat others who are sharing in that same similar uh, Experience a perspective that's built upon the recognition that this same thing took place in their lives and their history, and because of that, they should know how important it is that they don't cause anyone else to feel the same type of neglect or mistreatment that they experienced. But that's not always the default reaction, right? Sometimes we're more concerned about, and, and this is not accusatory, I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying collectively in our culture, sometimes we're more concerned about what problems might come from these others that show up in what we consider to be our land, when our first step is what practical steps we can personally take to help. I mean, that's what God calls us to do. The problem often comes when our perspective of the world is defined by nationalism, and semantically, I'm talking about uh, the support of one na- nation's interest to the detriment of, of, no- of another, rather than God's character. When people need help, we're the ones who are called to give it. Right? And so our first reaction is not necessarily, oh, what's the government policy on this? It's, what does God have to say about this person in this situation? The rest about, we, we can talk about that later. That's part of why our mission is helping people find Jesus and love God. Because the first step in any situation to show somebody God and who he is, his, his character, um, is, is, to help, is to help them. That's, that's how we have all started out living our faith among each other. Somebody has, has helped us. The Holy Spirit has guided us, has helped us to an understanding of who Jesus is and how we're called to love God. And this is what God reminds the Israelites of with this history in Egypt, this appeal to say, hey, you know what it was like. And so part of how we review the foreigner among us, you know, the refugee among us, any of those categories we talked about is reminding ourselves that we are in the same category. We are the foreigner. We are the refugee. And I know some of you are thinking, no, I, I, I was born and raised here. Like, you know, I don't have dual citizenship or anything. I didn't have to go through and get my green card or I didn't have to become a citizen or anything. I'm not a foreigner. Um, okay, this is a little bit more general than specific, but historically speaking, we're all of us foreigners in this land. After all, we colonized this one. And with that, 
should come some perspective with our neighbors and how we've gotten to where we are today and should look at others who are working toward the same opportunity. Again, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about Christianity. Just to, just to clarify. Now check out this law that God established, and this is going to sound crazy to most, especially someone like me, because I'm, I am the, I'm the you know, get-off-my-lawn guy. I mean, like, don't, don't come on my property without permission. Like, I don't know, I don't know why you're here. Um, don't, don't do that. In Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, and this is part of a, a law that, that God has established among his people. He says, the land must not be sold permanently. They had the year of Jubilee every seven years where if you sold a piece of property, it would revert back to you or your family. Kind of wild. You can, you can read more about that in the Old Testament. Because the land is mine, is what God says, and you reside. He's talking to his people, the promised land, the land that he has given him, and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. So this is the perspective that God gives his chosen people, the Israelite nation. He says, you're in my land, and you're the foreigners and strangers, and you're on my property. This land is my land. This land is your land. <laughs> Nope, nope, it sure isn't. It's God's land. And not in a Christian nationalist kind of way, but in a God created the existence of humanity and of land, and he owns it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We're the foreigners and the strangers. And sin has left us all refugees. And God's response to us is to provide what we need to have help through Jesus. Here's what Paul says as a result in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And our citizenship is in God's kingdom. It's in the kingdom of heaven. So that gives us so much more freedom to respond with God's character and nature to whatever might be happening in and around our communities based on somebody else coming in that we're not used to having there. Beyond just trying to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, we should be able to, with some biblical perspective, put ourselves within the state of the refugee, of the foreigner, and sense how the Holy Spirit is guiding us to help. And so here's, here's just a really practical application that God gives his people. In Leviticus chapter 9, here's, here's a way in which we can look out for the foreigner who, who resides among us. The Lord says to Moses, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. All right? So that's the standard by which he sets what he's about to say for the rest of the chapter as he gives them various laws. When you reap the harvest of your land, in verse 9, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Skip down to verse 33 and verse 34. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The most practical application for these principles that can be taken away from God establishing law in the land of Israel for the nation of Israel, there are principles that we take away from this that, that communicate God's character and nature and how we deal with the same similar situations in our own lives, is that we're not only called to uh, uh, look for ways to help. I mean, you know, check out what God is saying about the, the gleaning of the field. Like, don't go over it a second time. Well, so what's the implication of not going it over the second time? We have less food for yourself. And you don't get to sell as much. 
and, and make as much off of what, what you grew. He says, do that intentionally so you're providing out of your own material possessions help for those who need help, for the poor and for the foreigner among you. And so while most of us don't have a field in which we're not going over and doing a second harvest over it, there are ways in which we have been blessed with material possessions where we can help, help other people. Um, so it's not just that, but it's also to, to treat those who are foreign as if they are not. And here's the way that we do this with other native-born people that we're, we're used to. Is we practice hospitality with each other. There, there's a certain way in which we interact with each other. It's called, you know, maybe the easiest way to think about it is when you see somebody else who's got a uh, your favorite sports team you know, jersey or hat or something like that. I'm a Washington Nationals fan still. Uh, great AAA team in, in D.C. now. And, and every time I see somebody else with a Washington Nationals hat on or something like that, I'm like, hey, man, nice hat. You know, or somebody else will, will do that to me because there's a certain way in which we interact with each other. Because, oh, we, we have this shared commonality and stuff. We've got this connection. And whether it's shared misery or, you know, celebration like it was a couple of years ago when we won the World Series. I say we, you know, because I'm part of the team as a fan uh, for, for sure. Um, you, you know, there's a certain way in which we interact and treat, treat one another. And, and when, when others are seeking refuge, you know, the you know, one thing that we can do, the practical application to loving them, uh, to treating them as if they're neighbor, uh, native-born, you know, caring for them the way that God does practically with food and clothing, is, is to simply show hospitality. Compassion isn't simply a way that we feel about a situation or about a person and think, oh, man, that's a, that's a shame, man, that really, that really gets me here. It is the method by which we establish the context in which we help other people. When we find other people in life as it shouldn't be. I mean, honestly, I mean, this isn't just reserved for the foreigner or the refugee. I mean, this is, this is everybody. This is how we treat everybody. But specifically, as we think about and are confronted with these things, you know, these opportunities that come up in which we have an opportunity to show compassion, my encouragement to you is just, you know, don't, don't hear about it on, on the news cycle and say, man, that's, that stinks. As a Christ follower, that's an opportunity to say, oh, man, this is, this is an area in which I can show Jesus to someone else. This is a, a moment in time for me to, to step up. When somebody needs help, we're the ones who are called to give it. It's something that comes along with forethought and preparation and perspective. And the perspective that God gives us as followers of, of Jesus is, is even more significant than what he gives the nation of Israel. He says, hey, treat people this way as I treat them because you, you know what it's like to have been there. You spent 400 years in, in Egypt. And beyond that, you and I, we've spent a life at some point caught up in sin. Every week at Velocity, we, we celebrate communion together. And it's this significant moment in which we say, man, we recognize how poor and destitute and desperate and, you know, violent our past has been because of how sin has impacted it, how, how it's taken us off course, how we missed, missed the mark. And, and what, what this amazing, incredible uh, sacrifice that God made through Son Jesus does to bring us back into relationship with him, to um, give us an, uh, you know, perspective that has the scope of eternity. Um, man, that, that, that should guide our thought processes, our perspectives, our principles, our actions in ways that, that cause other people to kind of wonder, why in the world would you be like this towards other people? 
it causes us to pause and stop and consider, man, this broken, broken body and the shed blood that completely changed the direction of my life. And that's, that's who God enables me to be and calls me to be in the life of someone, someone else. So whether it's, whether it's a foreigner, whether it's you know, a friend, whoever it may be, this, this perspective that we shared right now as we take communion together causes us to love people in a, in a very unique, unique way. It causes us to provide for people in a very, in a very selfless, unique, unique way, all because of what God has done through Jesus on the cross and an empty grave. May we do no less for those who need no more than what we have already received from God. Let's pray. God, as we, uh, as we worship together, as we, you know, enjoy having a long weekend, um, God, we just, we continually ask for, for perspective in ways that we can just be more aware of how you've empowered us to make a difference in the lives of other people. Help us to be people of compassion. Um, to, to see how your compassion brings us alongside and with, with you and how we can do the same for, for others because of how you blessed us, how you enable us, the strength and power of your Holy Spirit, and because of who Jesus is and what he accomplished through his resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.